Hi, you are listening to Celestial Vibes podcast presented by Ashwin from India. And to welcome our guest, it's Robert Wilkinson. Um, Robert Wilkinson and I have been sharing this uh, bond since past seven to eight months since uh, Celestial Vibes actually appeared. by march but still before that uh, robert wilkinson had been mentoring and giving some uh, valuable inputs in terms of uh, guiding me to the actual uh, publishing scene so uh, it's really a honor to have you uh, mr wilkinson thanks for coming over well thank you for having me and uh, apart from that we just have a, a like a little bit of announcements with regard to the magazine and uh, the cover is already ready and it's already posted on the website uh, which is uh, celestialvibesmagazine.com um so there are there are articles by like so many authors and uh, it's based on a theme called astrological learning and research so uh, in fact uh, Mr Wilkinson has come up with an article uh, which is which is titled as the seven types of uh, seven different types of learning so that's that's also a part of it and uh, he has been a part of the magazine since uh, the very beginning and uh, again thank you for coming over Mr Wilkinson it's a pleasure having you well again thank you and i'm glad to be here and i just always uh, meditate for the best for the magazine and your work because again you mentioned the seven different approaches to learning there's also seven different approaches to teaching and we all do better with certain teachers and not others and i wondered why and so i got to looking into the subject and that's i hope everybody does look at that article because it will help understand why we all have a different way of learning we all have a different way of teaching others how to learn and then that helps us rather than makes us feel bad and puts us down because we can't learn a certain way we just get to learn a different way yeah yeah that's true and uh, so to introduce you uh, i think you're already just approaching your golden golden jubilee year uh, as an astrologer and you've had a, a long period um, in the astrological community and you have seen uh, how astrology has evolved as the science of our daily lives and you also uh, to mention your website is aquariuspapers.com and it has about like 6000 articles or 6000 plus articles uh, which you have uh, written for about like in about 13 years or so if i recollect correctly from what you said and uh, that is one of those most important things that i wanted to like just mention in this show so so that all those who have not been um, seeing your seeing or reading your works uh, i think they should uh, really check your works out uh, like you publish around uh, at least 4 uh, to 5 articles in a week or or even more than that so whenever you you keep close uh, relationship with the transits that are happening uh, in the sky and uh, the way you put um like the uh, the the planetary relationships and the manifestations of 
various combinations from a spiritual and a psychological point of view has been an eye opener to me uh, and i'm sure it will be a great learning and also a reading experience for others who are venturing into your website the website is a result yes it is 14 and a half years something like that i began the craft in 1971 i was graduating with a degree in psychology and already part of the way toward a counseling degree but there were two questions that were never able to be answered by psychology or philosophy or any class i took why does something happen when it does why not yesterday why not tomorrow why does a certain thing happen why does a book languish for 10 years and then overnight sell a million copies what is it in our miraculous world that creates such phenomena and i was young and didn't know much of anything the other question is why are we instantly turned on to or attracted to certain people ideas and behaviors and why are we instantly turned off to certain people and ideas and behaviors and all of the psychology does not explain why we are instinctively turned away from certain things and why we why others were automatically attracted to certain things and that led me to someone telling me about my my stars and when i found that a lot of it was accurate but there were a lot of seeming contradictions they said well they weren't really an astrologer why didn't i study it so i was getting my degree in psychology and astrology seemed to actually make sense to me and i studied it for years i studied chinese astrology western astrology vedic astrology native american astrology i studied every kind of astrology you could study and it eventually led me to being asked to teach i i had people demand that i start teaching and then i was doing talks and this was all before the internet this was long before the internet and so i published this and i traveled here and there and i gave talks but it really didn't take off i mean i've seen when i taught classes in my school of astrology in the 70s people had to compute charts by hand they literally had to learn diurnal logarithms <laughs> and figure out how to use acceleration factors and all the stuff that has been rendered virtually obsolete by the computer era thank heaven <laughs> otherwise it, some people would take 3 hours just to compute a chart and i would rather have them analyze it than just simply do the math on it So I guess my background is that of a teacher and a speaker and a writer and I tried the traditional website approach years ago and it just didn't work out really well and so I became literally the first astrological blogger back when on the salon.com platform where I was one of the original salon bloggers and then uh, i was a miserable software and a miserable platform and eventually blogware uh really improved tremendously in 2003 2004 2005 blogware it just it really got perfected search engine uh algorithms got perfected so that 
by the time that the internet and what we're looking at and listening to today, by the time we were able to do that, I actually was already ready in terms of writing and speaking. And yes, I have 6,000 articles that began a long time ago, and I have a lot of books, one of which we're discussing today. And to me, astrology is the greatest tool humanity has to make sense of an apparently chaotic universe, which actually has an amazing divine order to it once we understand where we are within that, we'll call it heavenly sphere. And that the planets are out there, but they are also within us. We are our sun, we are our moon, we are our Saturn, as are different people in our lives. And as we grow, for example, when we're babies, the sun is our father, the moon is our mother. And if we look at the charts, we can look at our moon and we see that that was our mother's traits. When we were conceived, that was our mother's sort of personality. And that as we evolve, we become more and more those traits of the planets, whether a good trait or a bad trait or sometimes both. And that's what intrigued me originally was that because you can exhibit contradictory traits, that's what free will allows us. And we are eternals. We are basically um, Atma Bodhi Manas as a being occupying a body that has feelings and has mental tendencies. But we are an eternal. And as this eternal, loving, wise, intelligent consciousness, we come into manifestation. That is the birth chart. That is the sum total of all of who we are as, as a living dharma, but also it shows us all of the karmas of the past, which we bring forward both as skills and as challenges to learn. And that's one of the reasons I wrote the book on Saturn is because there's a lot of superstition about Jupiter is good and Saturn is bad. But that's not necessarily so, since Jupiter can lead us to excess, whereas Saturn can lead us to a disciplined form of wisdom and power. So Mars is no more bad than Venus is good. There is a bad Mars and a good Mars. There is a bad Venus and a good Venus. Bad Venus, you eat too much chocolate and look in the mirror too much. Good Venus, you are graceful and elegant in your interpersonal relationships. So a long time ago, when I first really got into astrology, I literally had no idea what it was. I had no way of understanding what the planets were or what the houses were. It's a very big craft. And it's fabulous once you learn what you need to learn, or at least you go to somebody who knows what they're talking about. The problem, I think, is most people, they think the planets make things happen. And that's not true. The planets are as they are, and we make things happen. While it may seem that things happen, 
apart from us. And there are things that we encounter that, as I talked about in the karmic storms chapter, you know, some of the challenges we run into in life result from our own evolutionary process. And that teaches us about the power of free will to shape our responses. And then there are the, uh, the storms, the challenges that come as a result of other people in our lives. Maybe they created them, maybe they didn't. We can't take responsibility for it, but we still have to figure out how to respond. You know, when we find ourselves in the middle of a mess, is somebody else's mess, but we're there, how do we respond? What is the wise and intelligent and loving response? And then there are the problems and the crises created within collective consciousness and collective circumstances. And that would be like when the government increases a certain tax on a certain like necessity, and all of a sudden, you can't afford it anymore, and yet it's still a necessity. Well, that becomes your crisis, but it's also a crisis you share with many other people. And so I learned along the way, because a lot of people think astrology deals with things that are faded. And in the almost 48 years I've been doing this craft, I found only two things are actually fated. One is to be born where you were, when you were, to your parents. This is fate. You were born to your mom and your dad in that town with that kind of air and that kind of water and that kind of earth and those kind of people with those belief systems forming thought forms, skandhas in the collective consciousness, you know, where, where beings, thoughts have power and we we live within ideas and we're not alone in these ideas. Other people share these ideas. So we are born within a certain circumstance <clears throat> that's faded. The only other thing that is truly faded is the timing on certain choices. Not the choices we will not make this choice or that choice but we will have to choose which choice we are going to make. So we can't know if we're going to turn left or turn right, but we will know we have to make a turn. This is why everything else seems to be free will. And it's why it's very important to choose wisely. And this gets into making Saturn our friend because Saturn has traits and we must accept and embrace and love those traits if we are to make wise choices. Yeah, and uh, it is interesting that uh, Western astrologers tend to stick with the concept of free will, which I really admire because I come from a predominantly Vedic background where um, astrology is more of a, like it is an idea of fate, if not uh, if not fate, at least uh, astrologers do believe that things cannot be changed and uh, um, they are already set in motion. But uh, that is something that I really admire in Western astrology. And uh, even I'm I'm kind of inclined towards the idea idea of free will. 
um, in that sense, uh, I, I tend to differentiate between fate and karma because Indian astrologers and uh, mostly Vedic astrologers uh, tend to relate karma and fate uh, as one and the same word or, uh, or those two words that carry the same meaning. But I don't think that is essentially, uh, they don't necessarily uh, project the same meaning. And uh, reading your book gave me a very unique perspective about the concept of karma, dharma, and how you related to free will. So generally, from a psychological point of view, if a person is actually undergoing a real tough period of Saturn, and when an astrologer says that your uh, Saturn is actually um, like taking you to all corners to the negative extremes. But that doesn't necessarily mean that Saturn is actually bad. And Saturn can be constructive. But what a normal human being or a common man who doesn't know astrology like tends to feel is like they, they might think that things are fatalistic or life is actually like uh, it is it is filled with, the, with ideas of fate. But uh, the, the real thing is the choices that we make when we are uh, not only when we are undergoing the Saturn periods, but also, as you said, uh, Saturn, Jupiter, Mars, and Venus, all those planets tend to have their own uh, way of teaching us things. And uh, the way you actually projected what Saturn does and how to deal with Saturn from a, uh, from a deeper and an inner point of view of a human being itself was very fascinating, which is precisely why I wanted to do this show in order to actually get your own ideas and inputs uh, like the, the, the you you are where the raw inputs actually lie and I, I i just wanted to bring out to the people because i don't know how many of uh, how many people read this book but uh, uh, i'm sure so many people will have to read this book and those who actually have wrong ideas about saturn must certainly read your book because you have kind of uh, it, i think the the book was more of a uh, material uh, if i probably teach uh, like a seminar or a uh, like a webinar about saturn i think i would refer your book as the uh, as of now i think this is the best book that i've come across about saturn and i think i would actually take up um, like I, I would refer this book as a major material for the particular class or course something like that so so how how did you really uh, link uh, karma and dharma and still you tend to go by free will, which is a really hard road to take? Well, dharma, for those who don't understand, it is your, your true function. It is your reason of existence as an evolving consciousness. So it is who you will be regardless of outer circumstances. Now, outer circumstances are measured by two kinds of karma. And I make this clear, I devote a whole chapter in terms of dharma and karmas. We have what I have termed big K karma, and then there is little k karma. And the little k, this is the cause and effect. This is, we do this, we have a consequence down the road that if we 
choose ignorance, then we won't be educated. If we choose education, then we will be educated and it will open opportunities that the uneducated don't get. This is a simple little K cause and effect. You hit somebody, you have indulged in violence, you've created a pattern that you must uncreate. Yet every unfortunate learned behavior is a little K karma. Every fortunate learned behavior is a little K karma because that is the cause and effect materials that most people associate with karma. Do good things, cease the bad things, you will decrease your suffering and create good works in your world. This is not the same as big K karma. Big K karma, as I have termed it, or others have termed it, would be acts of God. These are uh, tremendous wounds or, or uh, factors of destiny that sort of dominate our life. It's like if you were born to be Eleanor Roosevelt, one of the greatest women of human rights in all of history, you're born into wealth, you're born into privilege, you're born into education. That's not little K karma. <laughs> you were destined to be born into that circumstance. Now, what you do with it is little K, and that either feeds the benefit of the big K, karma, to be a benefit to your world, or it can lead you to be somebody like a Stalin who kills 30 million people. I mean, you have the destiny of being violent and ruthless, but not all violent and ruthless people become Stalin. Okay, so this is where I believe we make choices along the way. And because, again, in the book, I, I try to give an introduction to the meaning of the spiritual principle and the worldly principle behind all the planets. And each planet has a duality, a healthy and an unhealthy function. And Saturn is, speaks of basically dominion and slavery, that it is either the means by which we take command of our vehicle, we take command of the circumstance the best we are able, and we become the highest possible manifestation, or we are enslaved by uh, lesser patterns, the, the patterns that create suffering, the patterns that create violence and destruction. There are certain things that we didn't create. A person who was born blind, they didn't create that. That's not little K karma. A little K karma might be a person who chooses to walk out into the street and gets hit by the car and then goes blind because they caused it by walking out into that street. But a person who was born blind or born crippled or someone, for example, who was abandoned, in infancy. They didn't create the abandonment. They didn't create that wound, but they have to deal with it, and they will suffer and be oppressed and enslaved by that wound, whether it be of violence or abandonment or poverty or whatever. They will be oppressed by that until they take command. And then you don't Again, this addresses something I think you said earlier. It's not like we can um, change certain things. We change what we can. The other stuff, we operate within 
the best we are able. And that's why I devoted an entire chapter to what I call the ring past knot and yeah. Saturn's importance in setting appropriate boundaries and appropriate limitations. And our Saturn allows us to, to choose our limitations wisely in the moment so that we can work with what is. We're not bound to anything out there and we're not bound to things in our subconscious mind that we don't even recognize. And many people are, this is, we've gotten a lot of coding from our family and from our culture. It's not bad, it's not good. It is simply our coding. Some of it we will hold dearly to our hearts our entire life. Other stuff, it was more our parents' fear, our parents' desire, our parents' limitations who shaped those ideas in us and all of us. It doesn't matter who you are, at some point in your life you must question some of your family and cultural assumptions. It doesn't mean you shouldn't believe in them and hold to them. It just means you have to question them because only by the questioning can you understand how your circumstance relates to the bigger circumstance. And again, this is where the, the, uh, the big K karmas that wound us, we go deep enough into those wounds. We go deep enough into those forces of, destiny and those acts of God that seem to be beyond us, we find our message to give to our world. We find the blessing we are to give to our world, but it doesn't come quickly. Takes time, that's Saturn. Takes patience, that's Saturn. Takes discipline, that's Saturn. Takes maturity, that's Saturn. Takes organization, that's Saturn. All of those traits that we attribute to the Rishis, to the Mahatmas. It's all Saturn. They have made Saturn their friend. They have willingly embraced the yoga of higher consciousness, the yoke, that's Saturn, that, that where we choose a more mature manifestation of ourselves to our world. We choose to evolve our ability to respond so that we can be our dharma. Not we're looking for it, not we want to be it, we are it. It's the same principle. Most people look for love when they need to be love. Most people look for a savior, for something to help them when they are that which they look for. Again, the teaching, the teacher, the taught are all one and the same. And that's what Saturn helps us with is to understand our discipline is perfect for us. It is perfect for our self-realization. It doesn't have to be a struggle. In fact, Dharma is easy to fulfill if you don't resist it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I think that was a... Um, I think you you almost took into the like your chapter which is uh, dharma karma stuff okay and uh, you also precisely mentioned what Saturn has to do by by saying those major traits about Saturn which is uh, 
uh, patients maturity organization and so on so just slipping back to what we were uh, discussing before like making friends with saturn i think that's where everything opens up so so is it like uh, i think people somewhere have to realize at some point that uh, understanding a planet and uh, you have written in that particular chapter that it is important to understand saturn and it is important to understand like uh, what saturn does and what saturn is capable of doing so uh, how do you how does an astrologer actually uh, go ahead and educate a particular person who is go, going through a tough saturn period based upon the uh, placement in a psychological manner or something like that so i think that that probably gives a best a uh, chance for a common man to actually make friends with saturn uh, astrologers can easily relate uh, at least if if not easily they they can understand something what saturn is capable of but the uh, common common man generally tends to see saturn as an enemy and uh, running away from saturn never really helps so for example uh, in vedic astrology we call it as sadhi sati and uh, that is uh, sadhi sati is basically a period when saturn transits at 12th first and second house from your natal moon so the most intense period is when saturn uh, transits over the natal moon so uh, th- th- that is a period where people tend to learn uh, most of the tougher phases of uh, learn from the most most of the toughest phases of life uh, and uh, it, it is also said that if if one one round of sadhi sati is over you have done uh, about 30 to 35% of your karma of your current birth so how does an astrologer actually educate a common man in terms of making friends with saturn well i sort of i tried to communicate that in the book that the saturn in us when saturn comes to visit it means that there is something that saturn requires of our moon our sun our mercury usually restructuring discipline organization not taking things negatively but understanding that these are perfect times to restructure our light our life our personality our interpretations our relationships how we do what we do what we imagine how oppressed we feel or don't by the grind of life that when saturn comes to visit what i would sort of suggest to people is that suspend judgment and seek understanding without falling into a rut of victim consciousness or other unhelpful states of mind that as we embrace the saturn virtues of patience maturity self discipline we find a certain sense of power to steer the process even while navigating very difficult waters so saturn keeps us on track when all else seems to fail Saturn keeps us persevering when all hope is lost and all options are exhausted. Saturn is our determination to keep going until we get to the other side of any ordeal. Saturn is persistence. Saturn hangs in there. Saturn is not dissuaded by any external thing. 
Saturn is the power that persists in and through time. That's how I would offer to a layperson is that, yes, it is going to feel heavy, but this is the perfect time to choose how you want to restructure your feelings, how you want to restructure how you're experiencing your existence. Are you experiencing oppression? Why? Why is that the response and not acceptance that something must be lost, so something must be gained? A lesser thing must be given up, so a greater thing may be accepted. A lesser job, a lesser belief, a lesser restriction, a lesser fear must be given up, so a greater love and a greater wisdom and a better function can happen. See, to me, Saturn, it doesn't cut us any slack at all. Jupiter cuts us the slack. It's, it's, it allows us to just jump around and do whatever we want. And it, it brings us the joys of a great imagination, even if it's just a cloud or a fantasy. Saturn is not about clouds and fantasy. Saturn is about taking a look at what has to be done right here, right now, whether it's the Saturn discipline of a parent or a spiritual master or even a spiritual friend, because this is why that is the name of the book, is that Saturn teaches us we must submit to our own dharma, our process of mastering life on earth with all that means, and it doesn't happen in one lifetime, but if we are patient, we eventually come out of fear, and we come out of ignorance. We come out of a sense of oppression or enslavement or bondage to lesser things or outer things. Saturn is the one thing we have to have if we want to have any degree of realization at all. This is, I also brought up, I think it will help people to understand Saturn is basically composed of three types of sign energy. There is Capricorn, there is Aquarius, and there is Libra. Because Saturn rules Capricorn and Aquarius and is said to be exalted, it's sign of greatest development in Libra. So what does this mean? Saturn deals with taking personal responsibility and personal discipline to accept your authorship in the world. That's Capricorn. Saturn also binds us across time to the greater goals of humanity, that it binds us to our true spiritual friends, the angels in the world who help us along the way and remind us there is a greater work and a greater destiny that is beyond our individual ambition, and that's Aquarius. And then Libra, where it finds its greatest growth. Saturn is discipline. Saturn is maturity. Saturn is the binding force. Libra is the balance. It is the perfect rhythm of fairness and equilibrium. Saturn brings us to equilibrium. Saturn is never extreme. It can be firm, as per fixed Aquarius, it's not going to move, except on its own because of the Capricorn. So it moves on its own on the practical world in Capricorn. It holds firm in a vision of a greater good in Aquarius. But the Saturn process moves forward and grows through its rhythm, through its fairness, through its balance, through its justice, 
through its sense of proportion. That's why sense of perspective, sense of proportion. These are Libra benefits. If someone doesn't have a sense of perspective or a sense of proportion, then clearly their Saturn is out of balance. They are living with an oppressed Saturn because if Saturn wasn't oppressed, it would be fair and it would be balanced and it would be reasonable. It would be just. It would, you know, it, because Libra wants the beauty to come forth, the perfect interaction, the perfect rhythm of things. It doesn't want things to be stopped or stagnant or ugly. Saturn does not want things to be stopped or stagnant or ugly. Saturn wants things to be beautiful. The problem is, is we sometimes cling to images that are not beautiful, that are filled with fear, that are filled with a sense of victimization or a sense of oppression or a sense of, well, I can't do this because I was born into this family or I can't do this because I have to go do this job because my father did this job. And Saturn says, this is wonderful, this is venerable, but is it my dharma? Is it true for me? Is this where I am going to make my mark in my world as a spiritual eternal having human experiences? Saturn helps us claim our spiritual self, the Atma Bodhi Manas, the loving wise intelligence that we are behind the five senses in the mind, behind the body. We are that. This body, these feelings, this mind, these are aggregates. These are things we constructed. Even the body, we shape it and reshape it by what we eat and whether we meditate or don't or, or exercise. And our feelings, what do we say yes to? What do we say no to? What oppresses us? What makes us afraid? What plays to our vanities? What plays to our illusions? We have to master all of these things. I remember reading something from a great master. It says, no one ever became a master of the wisdom if other people could throw them off their equilibrium. And that's the key to Saturn. Because no Rishi, no Mahatma, Ever could be thrown off their balance by something out there. Even if they had to go to jail, they were not off their equilibrium. Even if they had to be the subject of kangaroo courts and oppressions, they were not oppressed. They, they may have had to go through that, but they were not oppressed. So it's really Saturn allows us not to be bound by worldly things of any inappropriate nature. I mean, obviously, like for example, the uh, being bound as a parent. Yes, if we uh, choose to be a parent, then we have a certain obligation and responsibility. But that doesn't mean that we're supposed to be hard or mean or rigid or demanding or dictatorial or any of the other planetary dysfunctions. All that it means is that if we're going to be a parent, then we are obliged to treat that other living soul with respect, with a certain amount of affection and dignity and understanding and patience and discipline and organization and patience and maturity and the other Saturn virtues. This would be true, for example, if you were going to found a business and you had employees, you would have to be responsible. It doesn't mean that being rigid is going to do the job because mostly the bosses that are 
most loved are the ones that uh, rule with a gentle hand and are very generous with their people. And so Saturn in the, the Western mythology was also the god of agriculture, the god that brought forth good harvests, because it takes time to clear the ground, to plant the ground, to weed and water the ground, and you must be patient for those blossoms to come, for the fruit to come. You have to take care of it. You have to tend it. Then you will get the fruits of the labor. It takes Saturn to get the fruits of the labor. No one can ever know how much of how good or bad a parent they are until their children become adults. Then you will see what they learned. See, that's Saturn. And if you were rigid or harsh or unforgiving, then they will learn to be rigid and harsh and unforgiving. And if you are wise and patient, mature, they will learn to be wise and patient and mature. And the same thing, we don't teach anybody anything except by our example. So if we want friends, then we have to be a friend. If we want to be wise, then we have to accept wisdom. We can't just believe ourselves wise and reject wisdom and still be wisdom. It doesn't work that way. Saturn helps us with all of these things. Okay, so uh, this was more of uh, how to deal with Saturn and uh, you also gave the examples with Capricorn, Aquarius and Libra. But now let's say a person has a heart Saturn, like a Saturn placed in Aries or when a Saturn is, when Saturn is placed under the beams of the sun, uh, being combust or something like that. So, uh, how difficult or how challenging it becomes uh, in understanding what Saturn has to offer from a psychological point of view? Well, again, Saturn cannot bring us anything separate from Dharma. It can't. It's impossible. We, we cannot experience anything outside of Dharma. And so when transiting Saturn brings us something, whether at birth or by the, the, you know, what's going on. If we look at the birth charts, I have literally the most afflicted Saturn of any chart of the tens of thousands I've seen and done in my life. I have the most afflicted Saturn. And I was not always sort of this cheerful about it. I came from very restrictive conditions as a child. I, in my own chart, I have the moon afflicting Saturn. I have sun opposed Saturn. I have Jupiter opposed Saturn. I have Venus afflicting Saturn. I have the terrible Saturn. But yet, and it, mine is in the second house. So you can imagine it is conjunct Ketu, but that has not been uh, nice to me this lifetime. But what it did, is it's helped me not rely on anything outside of me to take care of me. Uh, when I was younger, I looked for the world to benefit me, for other people to take, you know, to offer me this or that or the other thing. I, I sort of hoped as a young man that I, I would get this gift or that mentoring or whatever. None of it ever happened. So I had to make my own way. Now, ordinarily, that would be a very lonely place. I just happened to find a whole bunch of other people also 
trying to make their way. Because again, none of us were raised by saints or sages. All of our parents had to live in the world they lived in with the fear and the anger and the poverty and the wars and the competitions and the economic ups and downs. And they weren't raised by saints and sages. So if we go back through the generations and we see the oppressions and limitations of our grandparents and how that shaped our parents' lives, and then the oppressions and limitations of our parents' life, and how that shaped their belief systems that they tried to offer to us. We understand our assumptions and, and where we began this lifetime. But where we began is not where we will end. Where we began isn't even necessarily where we're going to live. Where we began is merely the original plot of soil the seed was planted in. And sometimes we need a transplant into more harmonious conditions. We need a better job. We need a better town. We need a better attitude. <laughs> we have to plant some different seeds in our minds so that all of those oppressive memories and confusions and fears don't influence our ability to be wise in our choices. This is making friends with Saturn because we must choose to confront every single thing that makes us afraid, every single thing that makes us lose our balance, every single thing that makes us react negatively or incompetently or in a way that creates bad karma because we've learned a lot of unfortunate actions, feelings, and thoughts. We will not, those don't change unless we change them. That's Saturn. It's accepting the discipline that sometimes if you want to meditate, that means you really have to meditate. You can't just imagine yourself meditating. You actually have to go either do a walking meditation or a sitting meditation or a chanting meditation, but you must meditate. It's kind of like if you want to write a book, you have to sit down at the keyboard and write that book. The book will not write itself. That's Saturn. If you want to become a better person, it's okay. It is given to all of us to become Paramahansas if we choose that. But that doesn't mean that we're going to sit around in robes because one can be a householder, one can be a parent, one can be a person, a professional doing a job and still be an enlightened being and not advertise it. That's the thing about Saturn is I believe that the, the greatest wisdom is that which is self-evident. It doesn't need advertisement or a display. You're not selling wisdom. You are wisdom. You're not looking for love or giving love. You are love. That's what I mean. That's what Saturn can lead us to is that true spiritual estate. In the West, it's called the great work. Okay, it's, it's the perfecting of the personality so that it can express the loving, wise intelligence of Atma Bodhi you know, through the higher mind, through that, that ability to be the higher self walking through the world, being the wisdom that is needed 
at that time. There are times other people are Saturn, but because we are the Saturn, sometimes we are that Saturn in our world to other people. I'm often seen to be that way as an astrologer, even though I have Pluto rising in the first, and it exhibits an invisible influence on people, transformational purification, but it's invisible. So often they see me as Saturn. And that's why I'm really glad that I have a sense of humor. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I, I understood one more thing is like, uh, Saturn is just about understanding this strict reality and uh, it is important to come out of illusions that we generally tend to like tend to succumb in our daily lives and uh, that is one of those things that Saturn teaches us and I think your book uh, projects that in a like in a brilliant manner. Uh, I, I was recently looking at uh, like watching one of those YouTube videos by the Astrology University where Robert Hand and Stephen Forrest were discussing where Robert Hand said that planets don't mess up our lives while we mess up with the energy of planets. Uh, I watched that interview very recently and uh, it's been about more than two to three months since I finished reading your book. So the moment I heard that particular phrase, the next thing that came into my mind was your book. <laughs> so uh, so th that's the kind of realization that I had after reading the book as it was a really profound experience in terms of understanding Saturn and actually understanding uh, even after being an astrologer, it is important to realize that we really mess up the energies of planets and planets don't mess up our lives. So, so which is where you start like making friends with Saturn and the, the, the most important thing that I didn't, after reading the four chapters of your book, the fifth chapter I think is guardian of the ring past not. So after reading the first four chapters and after having interacted with you for about uh, almost an year now at this point of time, I, I directly knew that what you are going to write in that particular chapter is all about limitations, boundaries, boundaries and having, uh, having, having a fence to our own desires and uh, uh, like materialistic expectations. So uh, th that is something I would like to uh, like hear from you is like, um, like how, how do you term like limitations and boundaries? I think Saturn is only about setting limitation and boundaries, not 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 only in a uh, like a larger phase of life, but even in our daily lives, we have that Saturnian effect inside us that helps us to put some form of limitation to our own self. See, I have a limitation that uh, whenever I drive, I don't drive more than 50 or 60 kilometers per hour when I drive my bike. I think that is a limitation that Saturn gives me. Uh, well, all limitations are Saturn. And see, Saturn, <laughs> Saturn are the limits that are set for us, but they're also the limits that we set for ourselves. And it's only, the crisis only comes when those preset limits collide with our need for different limits. Yeah. See, limitation is, is very important because, you know, if we didn't have skin, our organs would be all over the street. If, if we didn't have a personality, we would have the sentience of a jellyfish. 
you know, we have to have these, these structures in our lives so that we can understand when it's time to move on, so to speak. So like one of the, the ring pass knot is the family and cultural matrix. Excuse me. <coughs> that we need those limits because they teach us who we are. But at some point, we come to realize we are more than that. We, we, do, we have to be able to go beyond our backyard. We have to be able to get on a bicycle and ride to the next block. So there we extend our ring pass knot. When we find out that, oh, we are allowed to go over to this friend's house. This is extending the ring pass knot because we're no longer just confined to our house. We're allowed to go to somewhere else. That extends it. First time that I ever met somebody outside my religion extended my ring pass knot because I was a Methodist and I met someone who was Jewish and that extended my ring pass knot. I learned a whole different way of belief shared by millions around the world that I had never been aware of before that moment. And it opened me. Like in the seventh grade, I was assigned a project I decided to give a report on all the world's great religions, including you know, the Vedas and the Upanishads and Buddhism and the Dhammapada, the whole thing. And I'm doing this like at age 12, age something like 13, extending the ring past not, not just into Western belief systems, but into Eastern belief systems. And, but yet it was safe because it was a project. I didn't have to participate in any, you know, pujas to Shiva, I just got to write about it, <laughs> okay? So it was sort of a safe extension of boundaries. But again, there are value to limitations because we have to, if we are good in small things, we will be good in large things. If we are diligent in small things, we will be diligent in large things. That's Saturn. We must master the basics before we can move into the more advanced things. And this is where I believe that the Saturn positions, whether it's natal or like in transits, that, that transiting Saturn, for example, allows us to restructure our lives based on the requirements of right here, right now, theoretical states of mind, stubborn states of mind, old rationalizations, all give way to necessity because at the Saturn returns, we realize an old way is done and we will never be living that ever again. And so what do we want to choose to do with the experience we've had? That's Saturn. And it takes me back to something you were talking about, like in the charts, for example, the Saturn in my chart, Saturn's very afflicted. So authorities have never been my friends. Systems have never been good to me or kind to me. The, the systems of power and control and structure never, never were favorable to me. I had to fight every single time. It was never easy when dealing with the system. Still, we also understand that that taught me not to rely on systems. 
It taught me to rely on myself. Isn't that what we as eternal consciousnesses are supposed to be doing? We're not supposed to be referencing anything out there, giving the illusion power. We are supposed to be referencing our eternal self, our higher consciousness, and every turn. Do not believe this person or that rule or that thing unless your own consciousness tells you it is true. And even then, what's true today might not be true tomorrow. And that was probably one of the greatest things I learned studying Gandhi's life is that he was willing to admit if he didn't have experience in something, he would not give an opinion on it. So he would go and try to find out all he could about it and have some experience with it. And then he would form his opinion. And most people don't do that. They form an opinion not based on experience. And Saturn is the experience we need. It's kind of like, how will you ever know what it's like to be a parent unless you actually parent? You can't, you can't be an expert on parenting if you've never had a child. <laughs> it's impossible. It's like people that are, they, they are marriage counselors, but they've never had a marriage. I you know? <laughs> yeah, and uh, I think I was about to just uh, talk about dharma and eternal freedom, which you clearly explained just now. So uh, it, it was completely... Uh, shared by the concept of dharma and eternal freedom, which was one of the part of your chapters, I think, in the Guardian of the Ring Past Not. So, uh, moving to the most important and uh, the most wanted thing, that is the Saturn return. And uh, I myself, uh, just having passed about six to seven months in my first Saturn return, I think that's something, uh, not just me, everyone would be inclined to hear about. Uh, your experiences and uh, your take on the deeper and uh, real understanding of what Saturn return can give us. Well, sure. I, in fact, I just wrote a pretty interesting article on some things about the Saturn return that I put on AquariusPapers.com that I only briefly touched on in the book. And the Saturn return occurs to everybody at 28 and 29, and then again, 57 to 59. It doesn't mean these are the only times that Saturn is important, because obviously Saturn conjuncts all of our planets once every 29 years, and, and then twice every 30 years. So, you know, we, it's always helping us restructure something. The Saturn return... The first one is where we truly come into adulthood because before then we take a lot of things for granted in our teenage years and then we begin to expand into the world and we get more worldly experience in our late teens and early 20s. Most people experience an important shift around 24 and then they have what is called the progressed lunar return at 27 which helps us reset all of our feelings and needs and how we want to live and what we want to experience. And all of this occurs between 24 and 27. We just have different needs. We, have, we awaken to a different feeling of how we want to be. That shapes our emotional response to the form of the Saturn return that we experience at 28, 29. That is where an old part of our life is over forever. 
something leaves and we don't even know how it left or we don't know how to get it back. We know we must be on with our business in the world. We have to be in charge of our own destiny. We have to choose whatever it is that will make an impact on our world according to our sense of destiny, which is Dharma. In other words, at the Saturn return, whether we know it or not, Dharma is in motion and forming. It is congealing in a structure that will set the ring past knot. It will set the boundaries and the requirements and the rules and everything for everything that follows that Saturn return at 29. We start feeling it, 26, 27, 28, during the approach. Then we go through it at 28 and 29. Then we come out on the other end of it changed. We are then pursuing our destiny in our 30s. For better or for worse, clear or unclear, we are no longer who we were. We're, we don't value the same things. We don't want to live the same way. We're not experiencing anything the same way. We usually find ourselves on playing a more important role on the stage of life after the first Saturn return. It doesn't mean it's all easy. It doesn't mean it's all good. It doesn't mean anything other than we are doing what we need to do for better or for worse. We are living our lives. The ones who go through that Saturn return and choose not to make that choice usually wind up feeling like they are severely limited because they didn't choose correctly. They're still stuck in the system of their 20s when they should be living a system in their 30s that they are choosing. And then every seven years, because Saturn takes about 29 years to go around, we get a check-in. So we do our first Saturn return around 28, 29. Well, around 35, 36, we have to make a check-in and maybe a reality adjustment because maybe we realized that we wanted this back then, but now we're kind of off track or this has been developed, but that hasn't. And so what are we going to do? Are we going to go to A or are we going to go to B? So around 35, we make the first uh, correction, if you will, to the first Saturn return. Then at around 43, Saturn opposes Saturn again, you know, just like it did at 15, does at 43, something breaks the surface in our life and something submerges forever. That brings us to a fulfillment around 49 and 50. And then comes another whole set of uh, planetary configurations in our early 50s to mid 50s, which then leads us to the second Saturn return. <coughs> now, the thing is, Saturn returns are not unrelated to the other transits. I spoke of this in that article that I found, for example, that my Saturn return occurred, oh, 2009, 2010. And <clears throat> it had really begun around 2008. But it got really intense in 2009, 2010, and I made some very important choices at that time about what I could live with and what I couldn't live with. But then I found, as a result of the choices 
And the changes that had come, the losses, the very real profound losses and profound gains that came at that second Saturn return, that immediately after that, Saturn opposed my sun and opposed my Mars and opposed my Mercury. And what happened is from my third house, I began my publishing. So, but I also had to leave the, because Saturn had brought me the choice to move to a new state in 2007. And then it developed in 2008, 2009, 2010. And that was a phase of the Saturn return. But then after the Saturn moved into the next sign and began to oppose my sun and my Mars, a different set of choices arose because of what had happened at the Saturn return that made it aware, the opposition to the sun and to the Mars, I became aware of the need to write and the need to move, both third house situations, ninth house situations. I was writing, I was publishing, that's when I began my publishing operation. And it's also when I did a tremendous amount of short journeys between where I was living and where I was gonna move, third house, Saturn in the third, lots of short journeys. And it opened up new publishing, new home, new life through opposition, through challenge, through awareness, that opposition. So the Saturn conjunction means everything comes together at the end of an old cycle and the beginning of a new one. But at the same time, you look at the other things that are going on and you can see that you're coming to realizations and forks in the road and changes and all of these other things that also occur with the Saturn return or as a result of the Saturn return. So it's not like the Saturn return came and went. It came and went, but what I was left with forced me to go through the oppositions that gave me the awareness that I needed to make the move and to begin publishing. Okay, um, it's very, it's very good that you actually shared your own personal experiences, and uh, I think I'm just going to face uh, the rest of the Saturn return as so many people uh, on YouTube. You can see how many people have spoke about their own Saturn returns. So uh, I think it's a, a good experience, and I think. It has started in a positive manner to me and uh, so is there anything that you have left for this? I think we have covered most of those that we wanted to in this first part of the podcast about your book. Well, I did see that, you know, one of the things that um, I feel like really should be made clear to the listener is that Saturn is not bad. It has a universally constructive influence if we allow it. And as I wrote in the book, we are our moon, we are our Mercury, we are our Venus, Mars, and Jupiter, and yes, we are our Saturn. It is not a force external to us. We shape its response in our life since we and Saturn are one together. Saturn represents the steel framework of the structure of the skyscraper of our lives. Saturn teaches us the limits of our soul expression on Earth in any given life chapter, 
but these are not fixed limits. They are merely the temporary boundaries of various forms of self-expression originating in the family and cultural matrix we internalized when younger. These provide us a reference as we honor those things which are true, good, and beautiful, while transcending the limitations of self-expression, preventing us from becoming spiritual adults. In the final analysis, we are the ones who determine our fate and choose to move with the higher or the lower in every moment of life. As we embrace the journey of self-discovery, Saturn becomes our spiritual friend and guide as we move through experiences teaching us when it's time to transcend old limitations because we have nothing left to learn from them. <laughs> okay. So, the, uh, there's an entire second part of the book that is uh, to be done. And uh, I think <clears throat> we'll do it soon if not late so yeah and uh, apart from that so how do you still do, i'm sure you do consultations and uh, uh, what is the mode by which people can actually reach you out well i don't know i have to think about that okay it's you've just thrown me a curveball <laughs> so um because I was, I was thinking of something else, actually. I was moving into the fact that Saturn is every single part of what we must learn. We, we must learn it. If we don't, we wind up rigid. We wind up afraid. And being rigid and afraid is a normal thing for people. But it isn't where we're supposed to stop. We are supposed to be spiritual adults. And only through our direct experience can we possibly come to wisdom so that we can help others. Because otherwise it's just theoretical. Unless we've actually experienced something, then we're still only indulging ideas about it. And it doesn't mean we have to experience all things to know about them. For example, you don't have to go to jail to know it's a bad place to be. But it could also be said that if for some reason your life leads you into jail, Saturn will be your best friend when you're there because it'll keep you disciplined and you won't, if you can't make it better, you won't make it worse. That if you can't control a situation, then the least you can do is not create a worse problem for yourself in that situation. So I'm looking forward to talking about the various things in the second part of the book, because again, the first part is really about what Saturn is, and how to make it your friend, and its place in helping us shape our destiny, shaping our karma, and responding to become the best we're able, regardless of what Saturn dishes us. Because again, it's not, 
just because Saturn's your friend doesn't mean that you're going to get a free ride. Making Saturn your friend just means that when you don't get a free ride, you're not going to fall into blaming other people. You will understand you have to make your ride. I think that's or it's the, not time to ride. Again, the ring bus not. You have to put it for Saturn itself. Well, Saturn, you choose after a certain point. We must choose. That's the first Saturn return. We can no longer afford to be ringed or limited by unconscious factors. We cannot be um, limited by things that would oppress our Dharma. The, the, again, it's, I think that this is where the ring pass not, it won't prevent us from making mistakes, but it prevents us from getting too far out until we learn what we have to learn. And sometimes it means we have to throw off the chains that bind us. And ultimately, we can blame this thing or that thing or this person or that person, but they aren't to blame for any oppression. It's on us. We have accepted that oppression. We have accepted that limitation. We have accepted those chains, and we can just as well cast them off. Now, there are consequences for casting off certain chains, okay? Like, if you are a parent, you should not cast off that chain. <laughs> but if you're a bank robber, you might want to cast off that chain. If you are a loving spouse, willingly, that's a good chain. Um, being a thief is not a good chain. If you're a thief, maybe you need to rethink being a thief. Of course, if you're going to be a thief, then be a master thief, but even a master thief, eventually Saturn dictates they are caught and they spend time in jail. So you can, you can fulfill Dharma of being the best thief on earth, but part of the Dharma of being a thief is going to jail and also remembering that whatever you take that is not yours will be taken from you. You cannot hold on to what you do not belong to. So it's Saturn teaches us, you know, it does take away, but only that which would prevent us from becoming wise because we have to learn through error so we can become wise. And if we're patient with ourselves in the process, then we see that we are becoming wise and we're making fewer mistakes and we don't have to worry that things aren't happening fast enough because it's all perfect, just like Celestial Vibes has proceeded perfectly. And, and despite all of the worry and the concern, it's doing fine. Because each time you have the order, you have the structure, everything is about order and structure. And if you can build the structures that make you feel fulfilled and happy, then you will be fulfilled and happy as a human being as an eternal having human experiences. And then when it's time to change the structure, you can. You can say, okay, I can't live here anymore. It's now time to move. I can't hold on to this piece of furniture anymore. Best to give it to somebody who will appreciate it. You, can, you don't have to worry about the change of the structure because you determine the structure 
So you never have to worry about how that structure will shape because you, again, you're not operating off of fear. You're not operating off of unconscious things. Every single person that listens to this, if you are feeling oppressed, chained, enslaved, unhappy, you have the power to change that. And it will change because as a divine spirit, you cannot be denied. But you have to accept it. You have to be willing to accept the yoga, the yoke of the work. It might be jnana. You might need some knowledge. You might need a little bit more devotion, a little bit more bhakti to get right down into fulfilling whoever it is that you are. Throw off those chains. I have seen mantra yoga work phenomenally in terms of bringing people things and making miracles happen. I've seen jnana bring people to the point of excitement of realization. Some people have a karma yoga. If, if it is your yoga to do it, then go do it. Don't complain about it. Don't grumble about it. Oh, this is so hard. Oh, I don't want to do it. No, you wake up and you embrace it with your whole heart, with your whole everything. You, you squeeze all the experience you can out of life. And then you will become wise. If you just don't, you know, mess up your own dharma by getting sidetracked into stuff like unhappiness and fear and vanity and attachment to strong desires that are only to send you in circles. They don't do anything for you except just get you all worked up with nothing to do. Again, this is where I think that even something like uh, Saturn will help you overcome pride because you will know that it's just your function. That, and of course you will do it well because if it's yours to do, why not do it well? Sure. If you're not doing it well, then do something else well. That's Saturn. Okay, that's cool. <laughs> and uh, you have pretty much summed up the first part of your book. Um, and in the final speech that you gave just before this, uh, the narration, and that, that was also really uh, good. And um, I hope uh, we'll do the second stuff um, whenever you're convenient or comfortable. And let's see, we'll plan that out. And uh, again, people have to reach out to you at uh, AquariusPapers.com, right? Yes. AquariusPapers.com. Okay. And, you know, that's how people find me. And there's nothing to join. There's nothing to buy. It's <laughs> just come and go read my articles, go through the, everything and have fun. And if, you know, there's a, if you want to know about Mercury retrograde, I do have a book on that. And if you want to really, I'd say, come out of fear, victimization, and a sense that you're not living the life you're supposed to be living by Saturn, spiritual master, spiritual friend, because once you go through it, you'll understand the power you have to reshape your life. And once you go through it a second or a third or even fourth time, you're going to find several hundred gems in there that you'll be able to use in all kinds of situations to help others and help yourself out of that sense of fear and oppression and the feeling like you're not really living the life you're supposed to be living. The, the, so many people suffer from a lack of imagination and they're afraid of their limitations. 
when some of those limitations are necessary, but others aren't, all you have to do is find the right discipline of mind and, and you know, again, the yoga, whether it's of knowledge or of whatever, and you can put a whole new pattern of response out there. You don't have to be afraid anymore. You don't have to feel like life is a drag and life is a drudge and life is heavy and depressing and or, or even the same. I believe we all have the ability to be spiritual adults, even in the face of indignity, in the face of uh, difficult obligations, in the face of difficult people. And it doesn't mean we have to always dance with difficult people, but it just means that when we do have to dance with them, it's always better to be in self-control. It's always best to understand this far and no farther. It is good to understand this is my limitation. What is my duty here? Is my duty to try to argue with this person or is my duty to really just take care of my business? And once you understand, then you don't have to be all sidetracked and generate all these negative karmas from being distracted by the illusion. You can literally be the captain of your own ship. You can make the choices you choose to make so that by the time you're my age, you have no regrets. You will know that you have made the choices you made, you did the best you could with what you had, you chose not to blame anything or anyone. You could take care of what you could take care of. You accepted what you had no power to influence. And you gained wisdom from the experience. Sure. Hey, that's great. <laughs> and uh, final thoughts, I think. Uh, I think we'll see you next time with the second part of the book and I think that discussion is going to be uh, as profound as this was. So thanks again Mr. Wilkinson for coming over and uh, it, it was really a pleasure and it was also a humbling and a learning experience. Well I just look I wrote this because people have no business being afraid of Saturn. It, it's your friend it's your master. You know, they say in Sanskrit that Jupiter is guru. Well, then Saturn would be Mahaguru. <laughs> you know, there's, because Saturn is the one that keeps Jupiter from, you know, spending $10,000 gambling. You know, Saturn says, no, 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 I think I'm better off spending the $10,000 investing in my home. <laughs> you know, because I have to live there. So, to me, I believe that astrology is this phenomenal blessing that can help us understand who we are, how we were born with both in a fragmented as well as a whole consciousness. It shows us what we're here to do, what we're here not to do. It shows us the timing on when we, by our choices, we can come into spiritual awareness, spiritual consciousness. And this is male, female, young, old, it doesn't matter because consciousness is a blinding flash of realization in the moment. It's when we get out of our way, we don't have our 
all of our ideas and all this stuff obscuring it. And we come to realization in that moment, that's Saturn. In that moment, we come to understand our true nature. And at that point, we're not afraid. We're not questioning. We're not wondering. We are whole and complete unto ourselves, being as we need to be, doing exactly what we're supposed to be doing in this world, whether it be publishing or writing or teaching or whatever. Saturn is the way to self-mastery, but also to becoming our highest self, however we define that. I will see you next time. Thank you. Thank you for coming over, Mr. Wilkinson. And uh, see you next time. That's done.